Welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, co-hosted by yours truly, Kate Richardson and Megan Pachecki. We're two registered dietitians here to make your life easier by debunking diet myths, sharing scientific information about nutrition, and keeping you motivated to reach your goals. We want to teach you everything we know by giving you real-life examples of how we've helped our combined thousands of clients transform their lives, lose weight, and get healthy without having to go on another cookie-cutter diet. On this podcast, we'll be giving you our best advice, strategies, and mindset shifts so you too can reach your goals using food and, most importantly, enjoy the process. before we jump into this episode where I interview Dr. Nikita Shaw, an obesity medicine specialist here in Orlando, because I have to give you a warning. It is allergy season here in Florida, and the truth is we're only human. We are not robots. We are not figments of your imagination. We were sneezing and coughing a little bit during this episode. What can I tell you? I did my best to edit it out, but I'm not perfect. I'm a dietitian. I'm not a trained videographer, audiologist, I don't even know what you call somebody who makes her own podcasts at home. I'm a novice, so I did my best, but please be patient with us. If you hear a little bit of coughing, the information that Dr. Nikita Shaw provides is invaluable. If you are interested in learning about how medications like Ozempic and Monjaro uh, impact people's wellness, if you want to learn more about it, it is a wonderful conversation. I learned a lot and I know you will too. So again, please be patient with us. I did my best to edit some of it out. Otherwise, enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. Today is a really special episode because I'm doing an interview with a doctor. We've got a doctor in the house. I think you're the first doctor on our podcast, Dr. Shaw. Awesome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So you're extremely relevant to our nutrition practice because what we do is we help most of our clients. I would say 70% of the people we work with are looking to lose weight or improve their, uh, their health, especially blood sugar levels, insulin levels, in an effort to stay healthy, increase their longevity, lose weight, feel better, do all of the things. And sometimes people try everything, they do it all, and they can see some success. Other people need a little bit of help from a medical professional. Uh, they need a different type of intervention. And that's where you come in. So do you mind just telling us what kind of doctor you are and, yes. and who you help? <clears throat> so my name is Dr. Nikita Shaw. I'm an obesity medicine physician and a weight loss coach in Orlando, specifically Lake Nona, Florida. I'm originally a board certified family medicine physician, but I, like you, found that when people are really coming to speak to me about their chronic conditions and the things they want to improve, which is their vitality, their well-being, you know, just their general mm-hmm. health, it really came back to their weight. Mm-hmm. And the reason what I do goes beyond the lifestyle changes, because we know that people are really committed mm-hmm. to improving their health. So they'll learn the things like what to eat, how to eat, or they'll come to you to learn those things. And they'll try really hard to make lifestyle changes, but sometimes they face a wall. And Mm -hmm. that wall really is their biology. Mm -hmm. So our body leans actually more towards gaining weight than losing weight. Like All of our genetic makeup, it's really evolutionarily, is just Mm -hmm. designed to preserve 
fat mass and weight. So when we're really trying to lose the weight to prevent chronic diseases like high blood pressure, diabetes, or if you have those things and you want to get better, um, you're fighting against your biology. Mm -hmm. And where I come in is I have a whole set of tools to augment that. And that could be medications, really unlocking um, some of those problems that patients face, and then also guiding them towards surgery if that's um, if that's on the on the plan for them as well. It's interesting how you brought up the survival. That's something that I talk about with clients all the time is your body's number one priority is not for you to look hot in a new pair of jeans. It doesn't care if you feel skinny and fit at the beach. It doesn't care how you look in your wedding photos. It doesn't. It's number one priority is keeping you alive. And so when people are consistently fighting back their body and they're doing all of these things to drastically lose weight, this is at least what I see all the time. People are desperate to lose weight or change their body, maybe before it's even a significant health problem. Maybe they're just 10 pounds heavier than they were mm-hmm. in high school and they start going on all these restrictive diets and their body is like, eh, we don't like that. We're going to start um, going through all these different biological mechanisms Mm -hmm. to help you preserve body fat, to uh, decrease the rate at which you're burning energy because your body sees it as not a a good thing. Right. And the more you try to trick your body with these restrictive diets, I feel like the body gets smarter. It has all these different defense mechanisms to keep you from losing weight. It does. So one of the things I set out with people, and I think this is why I gravitated towards uh, finding you as well. We want to lose weight, and really it's to improve our health mm-hmm. for the long term. So I don't want people going on and off anything. Like if we're right. going to find a plan for you, it needs to be on for the long term. Mm-hmm. So there isn't a quick weight loss trick that I have. Like 5 to 10% of total body weight change, that's permanent. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, some of our medications can get us into like the 15% total body weight change, sometimes 20%. And then other times, like we've all met them, like people who one um, drastically change their life or transform how they're living, they also are some of our um, most successful clients. But those those people might be in the minority. And mm-hmm. it's really not anyone's fault in terms of like what their size is. It's just we need to implement change Mm -hmm. and use tools effectively to get a result. So when we're working for weight loss, um, I agree that we don't want to be restrictive. We don't want to do something that a person can't actually maintain because that person has to be able to Mm -hmm. live in their life, do the things that they're choosing to do, but it has to work synergistically Mm -hmm. because what I eat may be very different than what you eat. How I live my life may be very different than how you live your life. And if we're kind of using someone else's plan, it's not going to really help the individual. That is such a great point because your schedule is going to look different than mine. Your preferences, your body's going to react differently to certain portions or types of food. I think that's where a lot of people get frustrated. Maybe you've seen this too when people come in to see you initially. Um, they're ready to go on those medications or they're ready to talk about um, going the medical route for weight loss. Mm-hmm. And they've tried dozens of different things their whole life, first since they were in their 20s or after having a baby. And they'll just rattle off all the things that they've tried. They've tried their best friend's diet. They've tried keto. They've tried Weight Watchers. 
and they just feel fed up. So yeah. it's understanding that everybody's got a different um, deck of cards that they're dealt mm-hmm. and figuring out your, your best hand. Yeah. Can you tell us about the different medications that you use and, and kind of how they work? Mm-hmm. Because recently... I've had a few clients who are on two that I, I see most commonly mm-hmm. is Ozempic, which mm-hmm. I think is maybe the most popular one that people mm-hmm. hear about, and then Monjaro. Mm-hmm. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yep. So there are six main classes of anti-obesity medications. The two that you mentioned are actually classified for diabetes, mm-hmm. um, but they do have uh, – Ozempic has its anti-obesity counterpart, which is Wagovi, and then Monjaro is on the FDA track to get – approval for anti-obesity treatment. Mm. So the most like common um, and well-known anti-obesity class of medications really came out in the late 1950s, and that's fentramine. And it's it's really like a stimulant, and it really helps with somebody who has food on their brain constantly, and they're really just experiencing a lot of hunger. So there are ways to like eloquently, I think, use this medication. Um, there are contraindications and people who would not be appropriate candidates, but that's really what an obesity medicine doctor or even like any physician or um, healthcare professional prescribing these medications um, ought to be screaming for is like, who is truly appropriate for this treatment? The one caveat is it's generally, I think, prescribed in a three to six month trial. But when I'm using it and really obesity medicine professionals, when we're using these medications, we're looking for long-term treatment. So we wouldn't start someone on a regimen and then they'd be wildly successful and then take it away. Like mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense. We don't put people on high blood pressure medication and then take it away. We can trial off, absolutely. So historically, sometimes people will come to me and say, yes, I've been on this medication. <clears throat> it did work, but when I came off, I regained the weight. So that'll be that, – that's one class. And there is um, a couple of like cousins in that class of medications, but they really help with the hunger. So then after that, we have um, some older medications, all year oralistat, which is a medicine that actually helps to um, reduce the fat absorption in the gut. So it's all these available over the counter. People would take it three times a day. They, they'll they just poop it out and get yeah. greasy stools. Um, it's not one of my most commonly prescribed medications, but it's there. Another medication on the market is Contrave, which is two medications, Welbutrin and Naltrexone, that are combined. And this medicine really helps with a lot of cravings and food addiction behavior. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I was just thinking – uh, naltrexone, they use that for people. Is it an opioid blocker? Um, yes. And then the Wellbutrin is also used in for depression or right. also anti-smoking. So ah, yeah, yeah. if you kind of think about the addiction and the mm-hmm. cravings that people experience, it's the same type of brain biological processes. And so it can be helpful for somebody um, to try one of these medications as well. After that, um, so there's Qsimia, which is fentramine and Topamax. Topamax is was previously um, some medication that has some binge eating properties, uh, has some properties to help curb binge eating. It's actually a neurological medication that they found when they use it in people, they experience weight loss. And it really helps with some of those binging tendencies. And the fentramine, which is that medication that really helps to suppress the hunger signals. 
So if we look at like what's driving a person's um, tendency to overeat, if we're fixing the diet, then we're getting into kind of regulating the body's hormones, like appetite hormones, fullness, satiety. So when we're talking about using medications, it's useful to really think, what is the person experiencing? So one way, or or like, why are they overeating or why may they have this over desire for food or what really is going on with their biology that may promote some of these um, or like predispose some of these behaviors. So if the nutrition is adequate, then a lot of those cravings can diminish, right? Like if they're getting enough protein on board, if they're eating more complex carbs, not simple carbs, and if if the nutrition piece is adequate, then we may be left with some biological things that we can shift with the medication. So if while someone is losing weight, there is an increase in hunger signals. So that's when a medication like fentramine can play a role. Then if it's really not hunger, but a person may sit down and eat and they may overeat or eat larger portions of food or not really notice when they're full, you know, nutritionally, we would tell them increase your fiber intake in the diet, make sure that they're getting like that stretch in the gut. But then from a medication perspective, we can add on these GLP-1 agonist medications. So that's semaglutide and liraglutide. So liraglutide has been around for a long time. It's known as Saxenda. Semaglutide is known as Ozempic for diabetes, Wagovi for obesity. It's really working to slow down the digestive system and increase that sensation of fullness. So when we're actually feeling full, the way GLP-1 um, medicate GLP-1 agonist medications work is they're really helping to increase that satiety or that fullness that we feel. And what's interesting is like our brain, if we're looking in the brain at the fullness signal and then the reward signals, well, if we're actually full and there's enough food on board and the signals are strong enough, it'll actually override that um, that instant gratification, that like now desire for food, which is great because when you feel that impact, that's that biological shift. Mm-hmm. Like that's where things start working in someone's favor to help them lose weight. So what I'll have is people come in and they're like, I went to brunch and I just had one slice of pizza. Like I didn't need to eat a whole bunch of pizza. I didn't need to go order like a several appetizers. I was able to stop. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where these medications can be so profound and really highlight the impact of our biology in our weight. Mm -hmm. So whereas people typically think it's their fault, it's really not your fault. We're kind of wired this way to gain weight. It's the way we've kind of, our body is just like turned into dealing with like the food environment in 2023. Mm -hmm. But now when we kind of improve these biological mechanisms, our brain is empowered to like put the brakes on. Like, no, there's enough food on board. We don't we don't need like the dessert mm-hmm. or extra servings. And and that I think that's what's powerful. The reward system in our brain when we're on these medications, you're saying is not going to light up the same way because of the hunger and the, the <clears throat> hormones that are secreted. I'm not going to say light up, but but be, I'm saying like if you're looking at the, I mean, I don't know the exact neurobiology, but if I'm looking at it straight from like satiety. Mm. Like if you're full, 
and you're feeling full, mm. then it's a lot easier from you to just acknowledge like, I'm full. I have enough food on board. And that like now appeal with whatever is being presented to you, it's just not as like instant or like you don't need it as much. It's it's very interesting. But uh, one question that came to my mind is when you're telling me all these things, I'm thinking about different types of clients I have. Mm -hmm. So I have some clients who are on the medications and they've lost weight from the medications. Um, Some of them, it was like one of their initial things. So I had one client who never seen a dietitian, didn't do any lifestyle things first, got on the medication and then also Mm -hmm. wanted to work with a dietitian. He's over um, on a coast. Mm -hmm. So he had found us and he's got a team together. And then I have another client who's on it and he'd lost a significant amount of weight, plateaued for a while, went on the medication, lost weight, kind of plateauing now. They've switched Mm -hmm. up some of those medications. And I'm just thinking about some of the similarities between them. And my, my question for you is, is there a BMI limit or max that you guys will look for when screening a candidate? Knowing that BMI is not the most accurate form of somebody's health, right? And you can have a very muscular person who's totally healthy, but their BMI shows they're obese. But I'm thinking of some of my clients who have never tried lifestyle things, but probably would do really well. And they might be just a little overweight, but might be thinking about medications after hearing these things. Mm-hmm. What what are, what are you yeah. thinking about that? So really, we look at like, um, like the, the benefit mm-hmm. versus the risk. Mm-hmm. So most of the time, people don't really want to be on a medication. Like that's right. just the truth, right? Like people don't want to see doctors. They don't want to be on medication. It's like the last, it's like the furthest thing from most of my patients' minds. Mm-hmm. But it can be impactful to prevent a lot of the other things mm-hmm. that obesity can be associated with. So it's like 236 other medical conditions that your weight can impact. Mm-hmm. So adding one, adding a medication may be useful. Um, in terms of screening, what I'm looking for, like beyond BMI, is just body composition. Like mm-hmm. how much adipose cells are on you? What percentage is that? Is that putting you in an overweight or or category of obesity? So what if you had a woman come in, maybe she's had three kids, um, she doesn't she's a little overweight, maybe doesn't feel this confident or she as she did before, maybe borderline diabetes, mm-hmm. but not quite there yet, but wants to go on the medication, has the financial resources, the willingness. Where would you direct her? Well, First, just that's what the initial visit's for, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so when we're doing our initial visits, what I'm looking for is really, like, streamlining it. Like, yeah. what, what sort of lifestyle interventions do we need to put into place? Mm. And then are you a candidate for medication? So mm. the kind of gold standard is <clears throat> knowing that BMI is not right. the tool, but this is how we just use studies and this is the reference we kind of oh, go by. I'm so glad you said that, right? It's not the gold standard. It's just what they can use in studies. Yes. It's just there. It's just there. So BMI greater than 30, we can start thinking about medications. And then BMI greater than 27 with a medical condition. Oh, uh, okay. Gotcha. And so and then if we think about it, like we really should take in, if we really like peel the onion back, I also look at like a person's ethnicity mm-hmm. because the – the level of weight a person can tolerate varies. And I mean like metabolically tolerate. Totally, yeah. Varies. So whereas I'm Indian, so like a Southeast Asian, uh, we'll say female, her BMI at 26, and if she has signs of prediabetes, 
and if she's noticing signs of cholesterol going up, we may as well consider that again, like this person is showing metabolic signs of metabolic syndrome, and maybe we really need to take a, a broader approach to that care. Sure. <coughs> but it's interesting that you're mentioning the ethnicities. That's refreshing to hear mm-hmm. because I think sometimes uh, everybody just kind of gets grouped into one pile and they're just looking at a few different metrics. Is it because, you know... So it's actually, um, it's well understood in the Obesity Medicine Association and like within obesity science, that ethnicity does play a role. Yeah. And also I think being in Florida, I mean, everybody has a different ethnic background. So like my background's family medicine and it really is astonishing when I would meet with people who might have a weight that we might gloss over, like nothing, nothing too significant. And so perhaps that conversation about the weight like we don't have it because they're they don't have a BMI of thirty. Mm-hmm. But really, if you start noticing like high blood pressure, prediabetes, diabetes, high cholesterol, polycystic ovarian mm-hmm. syndrome, abnormal menses, hirsutism, like the list goes like the list goes on and on and on. We should look to these conditions and then also like swing back and say, hey, should we look at the weight as a central cause of this? And that's really how I started to formulate like formulate this because um, fatty liver disease is really common. Um, and we, if your fat is depositing in your liver and it's causing a metabolic problem, like we need to get it off. Yeah. Because that's liver failure. Yeah. Liver transplants. It's not a good way to go. So I think this is why like, my initial visits are an hour and we we really look to see like what are the risk of obesity or weight being untreated or undertreated, and then what are the risks of the medications? Mm. And we kind of find a happy medium. So I don't often tell everybody like the same thing. I very much believe in individual care, but for some people, it's a no-brainer. Like, hey, we should try a medication, and then let's start thinking about like how do we obtain access? Will it be covered by your healthcare plan? Will it not be covered? Um, and there is there are ways to use some of our generic medications to still achieve a good benefit. So that's really where the medical piece comes into it. You probably get this question a lot, and I think this is an important one to ask. Because what surprised me when we first met was how the medication is for life. What would the cost of that look like? I know it probably depends on insurances, but yeah. what would be like a, a monthly guess for somebody? You know, it, it really varies. Sure. So the generic medications maybe $10, maybe $30, maybe $50. Like the medicine in our country is so complicated because we have healthcare payers, mm-hmm. we have insurance, um, and there's out-of-pocket costs. So the GLP-1 agonists, those are in the thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. That's so, going to be Manjaro, Ozempic. <clears throat> yeah. Now, Ozempic- oh, and I'll just say what Govi for obesity because that's for di- – like for diabetes, then um, – we, if you have diabetes, we can usually get some of these medications or a medication similar to it. Mm. Um, some type of coverage usually exists, but for obesity, we'll just say what Govi. Gotcha. Okay. I heard there was an Ozempic shortage. Is that true? I had a, a client who was on Ozempic and they switched him to Monjaro. And I think his words were, Monjaro is the new kid on the block. Like you were saying, mm-hmm. it's currently being FDA approved, going through those mm-hmm. trials. So that's an exciting time in obesity medicine. There are a lot of medications coming out mm-hmm. um, that are working on this, on the gut and helping to reduce weight. So the there have been shortages. 
it's like everything what isn't there a shortage in these days yeah really honestly so eggs uh yeah like there's just supply chain issues it's it's no different um so at this point you know and depending on when somebody's listening to this and when they've found this i think just speak to your doctor find Mm -hmm. out what's available and then you go from there. Yeah. But don't like shut it off as a possibility. It's just like it could it could be right for you. It could yeah. work for you. And if it's not these, it could be another medication. Like we don't we don't necessarily know until we have a discussion and consider it as an option. One of the questions I asked you when you and I first met last month was how I was just thinking before I was as familiar with a lot of these medications and I'm mm-hmm. still learning too. I would have a lot of clients who were maybe on phenamine from a long time mm-hmm. ago, back when that was like the one that mm-hmm. was being prescribed all the time, or they were on Adderall for other prescriptions, mm-hmm. ADHD, and these would be appetite suppressing medications. And initially, these people would tell me how they wouldn't have an appetite, or maybe the medication would wear off and they would maybe binge eat if they took a day mm-hmm. off. Um, and so they'd lose a lot of weight, maybe get off the medication or the medication would stabilize and they would regain the weight. And that was one of my fears because, you know, whenever I have a client who tells me that they're on these things and they don't want to eat, like they just don't want to eat, they go all day without eating because they just do not have an appetite for food. I, I kind of go into like, okay, well, that's not the best thing. I'm afraid that you're going to binge eat later. Is that a concern with these medications? Is that ever yeah. happening? Um, so really when we think about how strongly, especially some of these newer agents work, we really want to make sure people don't lose muscle mass. So mm. I harp on people. They're like, they're probably like, Dr. Shaw, all she cares about is protein. Yes. Uh, they tell me Dr. Shaw. <laughs> but like we need, we need mm. protein to preserve our muscle mass. That's going to help keep our basal metabolic rate up. And the longevity, right? If you're yeah. talking about a medication that is – at the end of the day, doing things that will improve your longevity, aesthetic goals aside, mm-hmm. then what else is going to improve your longevity? Muscle mass? I mean, because that rapidly declines mm-hmm. once you hit 30 every decade. Yes. So if you're missing out on windows of opportunity to feed your muscles that protein, those amino acids, you could really be digging yourself into a hole mm-hmm. regardless of what your blood labs are showing Absolutely. or your pant size. So it's it's a whole person approach. So I like to tell people that like we're using medications to support you to make to make like the decisions in your day easier. So I'm not here to tell people like stop eating. Right. Um, eat. But now if this hunger isn't driving you, if the reward for food isn't driving you, you have a chance to make a decision to nourish yourself in a yeah. way that's like really loving. So none of this is like, I don't come from a place of restriction. I really say that like our highest form of human beings is like making a choice. Yeah. To improve our well-being. Mm. And when we're making those choices in the moment, it's very difficult to like say no to the cupcake. And it could feel like one side of it is like, oh, I'm on this diet and you're using willpower and like I can't have the cupcake. I can have it on my cheat day. Mm -hmm. That's like really like, that's not loving. No. You tell yourself like, I could have it. Like I could, but one, I'm not really hungry. I have enough energy on board. And this isn't really in line with my goals because I really want to see my labs improve. I really want to feel better. Like you're tapping into a different like way of being in energy at that point. So to answer your question, like the I tell people please eat. Yeah. Um, plan well, eat well. The some of the times it can be pretty strong. So I gradually increase medication depending on what it is based on that feedback. Um, there is like an art to medicine that I try to employ, um, when I'm working with people, but then the other side of it is, is hunger, like I said, is our body's like strongest survival mechanism. So at the end of the day, 
three months, six months, it does come back. Yeah. And when it comes back, it's better if we learn to manage it Mm -hmm. and like how do you like how do we answer it? It seems like this is the that that what it comes to my mind is the medication. Let's just say, for examples purposes, is like a six month chance to retrain because you have the tools that make it easier and possible to, like you said, take a pause and make a choice. And I love the way you said that. It is so empowering to make a choice. So the medications help your body make it possible for you to make a choice to get in the habit of making intentional choices. Fuel your body in a pleasant, happy way. It feels good. And then if the medication wears off or when the medication wears off, you'll be better equipped to sustain all of the pro- progress you've lo- or achieved because you have that practice. Mm-hmm. And and it's not um, it's not necessarily the medication wears off. Like oh, the appetite. With all, with all things, like as you're losing weight, it's just a matter of like how many – how strong is that hunger signal? Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, I, I should have said when your hunger <clears throat> signal returns. Yeah. And so, and you know, there's many people who learn to um, like tune into that hunger and really know like, is it true hunger or is it like just wanting like mm. desire for food, not necessarily like hunger itself. Mm-hmm. So we, we have a chance to make it not so difficult so people don't have to white knuckle all the way through because that's hard. But then if we really synergistically like put medications together, put the nutritional pieces in place together, like the outcome is just like, it's awesome. And I will say that not everybody gets to that, to whatever they in their mind may perceive as like the way they should be. Like, you know, people are like, I should look like this or Mm -hmm. I should do that. No, like that's, that's, that's not there. But not for everybody, um, but I think shifting like ten percent off of your weight is like amazing. So mm-hmm. if you're two hundred pounds and you lost twenty pounds and you kept it off, like metabolically, that is such such great work. Like that is great for your body. That's great for your well being. And I and I think accepting that like we don't all have to be a certain size. We can still have our health at like higher weights, and it's okay. Exactly. The 10% off, what I think is also interesting to think about is, let's say that you were 200 pounds, lost the 10%, Mm -hmm. you're at 180, and you now have the ability to continue to make healthy choices, the tools in your tool belt to fuel yourself well, you're decreasing your risk of health conditions, perhaps have the energy to change how you live your life as well. Mm -hmm. And so what came to mind is if you had sent me that person, that example, the change that I would recommend is saying, well, let's get in the gym now with your new Mm -hmm. energy. Let's put on that muscle mass. Let's adjust your diet to fit in with some kind of fitness goal Mm -hmm. and see what happens then. Maybe your body will change. Maybe it will take a long time or maybe it won't. Absolutely. And that could be like the next step. Absolutely. So like we, I always look at people as like, we need our sleep. We need our food. Mm -hmm. We need water. We need to manage our stress. And then when those things are in place, then people really like have more energy to work towards physical activity and bringing that into their life. So I'll never say like, oh, start running on the treadmill right off the bat because I can't take somebody who's sleep deprived, isn't fueling themselves. Like no athlete would do that to themselves. So 
physical activity is very important for our well-being and your cardiorespiratory like system needs it. Your muscular system needs it. Um, I think I shared this with you last time. Like nobody really wants to grow old and like have anyone like, you know, wipe their tush or right. like, take care of <laughs> you that. You can say it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's like, your nice visual. Yeah. Everyone. <laughs> like, and if that's the case, that's okay too. But I'm saying like, we want to grow with our like own, like our bodily yeah. function. And so let's not take it for granted that like we, if we're moving and whatever our capabilities are, like let's maintain or let's add to it. Like mm-hmm. we can increase our flexibility. We can increase our muscle mass. We can grow stronger. I think we need to move away from like the number on the scale and we should celebrate all mm-hmm. the other things about us. Yeah. Agreed. A hundred percent. I mean, that's a conversation that I have almost on a daily basis. It's sure, you know, the scale could change, or it might not. And so if you just assume it never changes, what else can you do? Knowing that if you're making all these other decisions, the liklihood that the scale change increases, but you can't directly control that. Like you can control yeah, everything. Just love yourself. Life's too short. Yeah, totally. Just love yourself. Like it doesn't, you know, the most, like most of our patients, most of my patients are women. And the common thing is like, I want to look cute in clothing. So go shopping. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Go shopping. Like, look in the mirror. Tell yourself, like, how amazing you are. Because we're not 19 anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, we're in – someone listening might be. But, like, many of us have gone through many phases of life. And there's beauty in many shapes and forms. Mm-hmm. So let's just love ourselves first. The rest of it, like, we all know people that we think are beautiful in all sizes and shapes. And it really starts with that person loving themselves. What's your favorite client success story? You don't have to use names, but anybody that comes to mind that you were like, wow, I just love this this person and what they went through. There's so many. That's why I love what I do. Um, there's so many. So my 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 background really comes um, from family medicine, and I would just see people like taking like tidbits of what I've shared with them and just changing their life around and. Most recently, um, it goes beyond just like how you take care of yourself, um, like via what's on the plate and how you sleep, like beyond your lifestyle. Because when we start unlocking these things, like people really start getting that energy and motivation to reach other goals in their life. Like they'll they'll maybe seek out a different career. Mm. They'll have this confidence again to like pursue other passions. So I don't have like one favorite, but I think in like every file, I love to pick out the wins because it's yeah. just so empowering. Oh, that's what we do too. Yeah. Trying to find all of the wins and using those as momentum. Mm-hmm. Your example there of somebody who makes a big change to their health and it gives them the confidence to do other things. I had a story come up uh, right off the top of my head because I'm, I'm writing about it right now. And it was a client who she was dependent on fast food. She would eat mm-hmm. so much fast food. And it just made her feel awful and she felt out of control around fast food. So we did all of these things, set goals around fast food. And as she started to feel more confident in her ability to make better choices, she got more confident and got out in the dating world. And then the last time I checked in with her, she had a new boyfriend that she was moving in with. Yeah. And that was something that she would bring up a lot in the beginning of our sessions about, you know, how she wanted a relationship. And, and that was a big driver for her. So I just love when things like that come full circle because, yeah, her body changed and she met some of her goals. But she wasn't at the pinnacle of what she thought she yeah. should look like. But she had the confidence and she felt empowered to do things 
Because she could do anything. If she could change her fast food dependency, she could get out there and you be know, a man. Ex- exactly. Like, it's really just putting your mind to something. Like, you put your mind to something, you commit to it, you throw, like, a lot of action on it, and all of a sudden you realize, like, that's the formula for success in, like, all areas of life. Yeah. Um, some faith, some action, commitment. Like, it'll take you far. So usually when people realize, like, they can lose weight or improve their health, because sometimes weight care isn't synonymous with weight loss. I yep. am going to preface it with that. Like sometimes just managing everything else um, in the human body is great enough. And maybe the scale doesn't move. Um, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. And when we're just like really restoring health, preserving health, reversing disease, preventing diseases, and like people – like what is health? It's a feeling. Mm-hmm. Like if you feel great or you feel good, then like you're kind of unlocked to do – Lots of other different things. Well, this has been really insightful. This is interesting. And I'm excited for when people ask me questions about these medications to just send them this episode and send them your contact info. So you're local to Orlando, Lake Mm -hmm. Nona. Can you tell people how to get in contact with you if they've got questions? So my website is weight-sense.com. And my phone number is 407-753-5036. And I'm on Instagram at Nikita Shaw Dio. And yeah, I'd, I'd love to I'd love to be of service. Do you take any virtual consultations or is it all in-house? Cool. I do. I do. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank today. Thank you. It's great. I'm excited to, to get some questions and send people your way. Yeah, thank you so much. Right. Thanks, guys, for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. And if you did find it helpful and want to share it with the whole world, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram in your stories at nutrition.awareness so we can connect with you. To get notified about the next episode of Nutrition Awareness, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And to create your own personalized nutrition plan with us, be sure to schedule your virtual or in-person consultation on our website, www.orlandodietitian.com. Now get out there, fuel up, and live your healthiest life. We'll see you on the next episode.